Welcome to episode 124 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are here in Castle Wolfenstein broadcasting live in front of a taped audience. And uh, I am joined, of course, as always, by the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes of the Night. Hi, my name is Ashes, and I like cats and wine and cat wine, which is a thing. Cat wine, yeah, it's like... Uh, I mean, like, I don't like the cat wine, but my cats like the cat like wine. Like the fact that it exists. Yeah. Like, how, how like, creative is that? It's uh, pretty good. Like, it's like catnip-infused liquid deliciousness for your cats, but you can pour it into a wine chalice... And Kitty can drink with you, they can be and all you fancy. will never drink alone. Yeah, it can be all uh, super fancy. Um, we are, of course, also joined by the man with the velvet voice, the hardest working man in podcasting, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when I don't think of anything to say prior to saying something. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. You know, we don't want you to overtax yourself all the time you know you got to save your a material for wednesday yeah nights. hey 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 really pushes me to the limit <laughs> hey you got you got to save your a material for wednesday nights See, we're just no i know i want i want my b material for wednesday nights <laughs> <laughs> so today we are concluding our seven weeks of halloween is that what, it, what we're doing it's been a lot yeah so or not enough it's never enough. Like we told you last week, nothing is over. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. I didn't say it as eloquently as Rambo, but I think you get the general vibe of the uh, of the statement. So, we are talking today about our final universal monster, and that, of course, is uh, Lon Chaney's Wolfman. And uh, that's uh, 1941 that came out. And this is another one of those we didn't see uh, in the theater because it came out 40 years before I was born. So I didn't ever get it and never got a chance to see it in the theater. But it's a recent first time watch for me. Now, we have some uh, opening discussion thoughts that I know you have uh, written down in your fancy notebook there. So what is our opening discussion thought for today? So because we are talking about the Wolfman and werewolves, not swearwolves. Their wolf, their <laughs> castle. What we have for our getting into character portion of this discussion is talking about our favorite werewolf transformations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this is a always a. a very fun conversation. You know, and for those who listened to the Rock and Shock episode, when we asked someone who their favorite universal monster was and they responded with the Wolfman, we asked them who their favorite werewolf transformation was. And we did get a lot of an American werewolf in London. London. Yes. There was the follow up American werewolf Paris, in Paris with right. Julie Delpy, but that's. Uh... Like a black-haired Swede, that's a Norse of a different color. 
So, Patsy. Yes. What are some of your favorite werewolf transformations? Well, off the top of my head, I have to say that one of my favorite ones, because it was, again, the introduction or my introduction to horror, uh, probably Michael Jackson's transformation in Thriller. Because, you know, again, as I've mentioned a few times on the show, that movie, the making of Thriller, that uh, documentary I must have seen a hundred times. So, you know, between that and American Werewolf in London, which uh, Rick Baker did both of those, uh, because American Werewolf led into the 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 fact that Thriller exists in the form that it does. I have to say that you know uh, those two really hold a special place in my heart. Not only because they're friggin' amazing, like they're so well done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, one of the things that got. Uh, and this was my fault. I got cut out of the Rock and Shock episode uh, because I didn't properly save it. Uh, we interviewed with the New England Horror Writers. Uh, we interviewed Jack Herringa, and he chose this as well and said one of the best parts was looking over at the Mickey Mouse clock and having the mouse clock just like, you know, have a, a scared, surprised face, and then you cut right back to the the uh, rest of the transformation. So it was very well done. Practical effects to me are always going to trump CGI because I think they're not that there's more work that's involved, but it's real. Like it's tangible. You can touch it. You can see it happening. So I think those two are my favorite. How about you? So I'm going to keep mine slightly more recent. Uh, We'll go like three, two, one. Uh, So third is... uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, transformation in Van Helsing. I just think it's cool. It's neat. Um, it was, it, you know, it's it's CGI, but I just like it. Like that's just, that's just there's that's really not much to it. it. I just like it. Uh, second is um, I forget the character's name, but uh, the werewolf transformation from the Netflix series Hemlock Grove. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In the um, first, the the first season, anyways. Uh, the first season, if you haven't checked Peter it out, Peter Romanchek. Yes. yes. Um, I forget the actor's name. The but. first season is definitely worth checking out. Uh, the other two seasons are, are. I don't think we even finished the third season. I don't think we finished the third season either. It got um, really odd. It, it, weird and not in a good way, but the first season is spectacular, yes. in my opinion. And I just think that the the werewolf transformation, it's part uh, practical effect, part CGI, and it's a lot of the actor manipulating himself Mm -hmm. into almost like a contortionist, um, you know, manipulating himself into these different positions that are just kind of awkward and making these different facial expressions while certain things are being added to him, you know, and, and thus becoming a, a werewolf, I just the expressions alone are, are creepy and spectacular. But yeah, and I think it, the what <laughs> this is just sounds so gross, but I really liked how the werewolf ate his skin after. 
Yeah, no, that was a, a, a It's like a the, the touch. werewolf ate the parts of himself that he shed. I don't know whether it's just to maintain himself so when he became human again or to provide himself with like energy. You know, like so there's something to eat right don't there. Don't be wasteful. Uh, well, it's, I'm sure it takes a lot of uh, you know? energy to transform back and forth. But anyways, I just, kind of like a waste not, want not type situation. I just thought it was very, it was very cool. And my number one is the transformation in Trick or Treat. Oh, with, uh, with it's almost Anna like Paquin. A, it's like a coven of werewolves. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're being led on and you think that this girl is naive and virginal and um well, they refer to her as a virgin yeah because this is her first time like transforming and taking her first a life kill. yeah her first kill and what i love is the fact that anna paquin's character is dressed up as little red riding hood which i think is just so poetic and as she's transforming on top of this person who she is going to kill as her first kill, she, you know, tells him, she's like, you know, be, be gentle. This is my first time. Mm-hmm. And then before she completely transforms into a werewolf, she looks at him and she has like the, the, you know, bright wolf Contact, eyes and, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the fangs and everything. And she just looks at him and she's like, my, my, what big eyes you have. And then just howls at the moon and rips into him. And I just thought that was so cool. No, it, it's just it, the way the whole and the way the whole scene is done too. You know, there's a Marilyn Manson song playing in the background. Sweet dreams. It's it's the kind of cover. It's kind of sexy, and you know they they start unzip, and that's the thing too. They start unzipping their skin. Well, there's also a lot of topless girls as well that kind of adds to like the sexiness. She's well, not one of them, right? But. but what I'm saying is, you know, it, you know, they're dancing around and stuff like it's this, you know, ritual. And then they start unzipping There's their skin. There's a lot of eroticism yeah. associated with this. But like it's so visually appealing in so many different ways. And then you see them, you know, unzip their skin and start to transform into these werewolves. And again, it's mostly CGI, but there are some practical effects and, and costuming and stuff involved. But it's just so cool. And the fact that it's so what I love when you think of werewolf, you think of a guy transforming mm-hmm. into a wolf man. So the fact that you have it's you know there's this coven of werewolves all of these women transforming into werewolves just kind of breaks that trend. Yeah, and it, I think it's just a really cool reimagining That of, whole of, film plays on horror tropes. Well I mean like I I love that film. I know you do. Um it's one of my favorites. Uh but yeah, I just think that it's just it's it's so like with the music and and it's intoxicating. It's so visually appealing. Mm-hmm. And again, like what she says to him it's before she devours overload. him, you know, it's just it's perfect. And that's a callback to something that happens earlier in the film. So. Yes. Uh, Wolfie, do you have a uh, favorite uh, werewolf transformation as it is uh, kind of your namesake? <laughs> well, Johnny uh, Werewolfenstein. That's right. I was actually thinking trick or treat, but I'll go with another one. And well, actually, I got two. So I'll go. go I think one of my favorite werewolf movies is Silver Bullet, mm. and probably because I grew up with it. It's it's really it's not the greatest 
movie. It's just a fun movie, especially when you're a kid watching it. Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen King, right? Well, that's what it, the content it was yeah, based yeah, off yeah. of, yes. But uh, the movie's called Silver Bullet, mm-hmm. and it has Gary Busey and uh, Corey Haim. Uh, but it has a pretty good transformation. Certainly not, probably not the best, but but as a kid, I, I remember it fondly. And the other one would probably be Ginger Snaps, also had a very good transformation. Okay. Um, one that we didn't mention is uh, kind of the partner film to American Werewolf um, where you saw two of the guys from uh, well no not really because Stan Winston was the other one but uh, Rob Botton from The Thing who did the visual effects for The Thing worked on The Howling and uh, that was a pretty uh, intense uh, transformation as well I I actually haven't seen that one I have seen the transformation. I haven't seen the film. But, uh, so yeah, those are our favorites. Uh, what are some of yours? Let us know. Um, we're very interested to know, to hear that. And there's a special segment this week that we're going to talk about later. But I think right now it's uh, a good time to take a quick break. Unless you have something else you want to... Nope. Oh, just... We can uh, break. Bruin score. Priority is Bruin score. Okay, so we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about 1941's Wolfman with Lon Chaney. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, Taxes and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebag. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday's podcast. Hello. This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot. But you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com.
Producer error. <laughs> <laughs> I got caught up watching a game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. That's all right. We give you a little bit more of uh, Rocky's amazing song, yeah. uh, Dead River. So <laughs> definitely uh, go check that out. So, uh, yeah, we're back. And uh, I don't think you... Uh, Barely. It's all right, Wolfie. We, you know, it's... Uh, once, Again. you know, once every 50 episodes or so. Once every right. 124 yeah. episodes. <laughs> join us two fifty. Join us for episode 250. Yes. And, uh, I'll really fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a milestone. You have to. I'm planning ahead now. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're today talking about, like I said, uh, the 1941 film The Wolfman, which is two words uh, as opposed to, I don't know how it's, it's colloquially, colloquially now, it's... Uh, tends to be one word, the Wolfman or Wolfman, depending. Um, and this was really Lon Chaney's big break. And this is, you know, uh, after the big run of the Universal Monsters, because, you know, those were really in the early 30s. You know, 1931 was Dracula uh, with, with Bela Lugosi. You know, uh, Frankenstein was... Uh, 32 same with the mummy the mummy was 32 i forget when frankenstein was i might be off on that it might be 34 but this is 10 years later and you can tell because it's almost like uh you know there's almost like a stan lee type of cameo because you've got bella lugosi who plays a gypsy and you've got um he's a gypsy and he's the original werewolf in this um You've also got um, Claude Rains, who is the Invisible Man, which I only know because of the opening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's part of the uh, opening song. Claude Rains was the Invisible Man. But uh, yes, that's how I know that. So he's in it. And then you have Lon Chaney. And we mentioned this last week. Lon Chaney's a bit of a fucking creep in this well, movie before we get into that fun fact this was actually supposed to be boris karloff he kind of became universal's golden boy as you know they just went to him That's not with... fair just give him every goddamn role well i mean he's good well that'd be like robert downey jr playing captain america iron man and the hulk well he's good he's not that good <laughs> But anyways, yeah, it was uh, supposed to be Boris Karloff, ended up being Lon Chaney. Well, especially if you're going to do these crossovers, which they did. You know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. The Wolfman, Mr. Wolfman goes to Washington starring Jimmy Smith. I mean, Jimmy, what the hell is his name? Jimmy Stewart, not Jimmy Smith. Wow. Isn't he like the NYPD blue guy? Yes. He's Princess Leia's dad. Yeah. Bail Organa. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, it, if you want to do crossovers, because CGI wasn't a thing in the 40s and 50s, you kind of want to have different actors, especially, you know, if you're going to subject them to this type of makeup and, you know, grueling conditions, because the, the, that stuff wasn't easy to endure. I mean, Karloff would sit there for hours on end, which probably, you know, was why they wanted to use him, you know, because he was accustomed to this, you know, really intense makeup stuff. But Lon Chaney does a great job. But again, it gives you an idea of the 
the temperature at the time, the culture at the time. And if you look at it, this is 77 years ago, and it doesn't seem like things have changed because, you know, he's he's back at the family castle. So he's a rich, rich white guy. And he's hanging out, and his dad's like, oh, check out my new telescope. And he uses the telescope to look around town, and as he's looking around town, finds this blonde lady getting ready for her day in in her bedroom and kind of focuses on that, then looks and is like, oh, this is above a storefront. So this must be where she works. So he heads down there and uh, starts talking to her. He's like, hey, I'm looking to get some earrings. How about the ones you have sitting on your dresser? And she's like... Hi. She's like, gee, buddy, stalker much? Yeah. And she's like, well, how do you know that? And he keeps hitting on her. He's like hey, how about you and I go for a walk with my new cane I just got? She's like, no. And he's like, well, I'll be back around 8. She's like, no, don't do no. that. Yeah, he, total Creeposaurus Rex. Like, and then she even so- tells him after. He shows up at 8 when she closes the store. And he's like, she's like, oh, it's you. And he's like, who are you expecting? She's like, nobody, because I told you, no, I don't want to <laughs> hang out yeah, with you. Yeah, and then she's like, hey. I have a fiance. Like, well, no, she she's like, oh, I kind of thought this might happen. So my other friend is going to join us. And he's like, well, if you're not here to, uh, you know, if you're not here because you want to hang out with me, why are you wearing those those earrings that I saw on your dresser? And, you know, he told her originally that he was psychic. And she's like, how'd you really say it? Oh, I have this telescope. But, oh, you know, you might want to consider closing your curtains when you get dressed. He's like, oh, not because of me. Oh, I wouldn't do that. It's like, okay, stocky McStalker. Like, that's all you've been doing is being a fucking creep. Right. That's one of the issues I have with some of these older films. I love older movies. I know Agent Nicole does as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them are very well acted, you know, for the most part, well written, beautifully done. Uh, Great stories. But consent really isn't a thing. And like, no doesn't mean no. And all of these horrible things that we are currently talking about in our society, you know, uh, involving women and rich white men. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, that's what they did back in these old movies. And sometimes it's it's cringy. It's hard to watch. And, you know, again, some of these movies are beautifully acted and, you know, they're, they're classics. But you just ugh, ugh, like, no, I mean, it's during the some acting. of these some of these oh. scenes, like in the Wolfman, I was just oh, like gritting my teeth. Just like, it's oh, just it's so difficult to watch. Painful to watch. It's like, oh, come for a walk with me. No. Okay, I'll be back around 8. No, I told you no. All right, I'll see you at 8. And then he shows up, and it's like, what? Oh, my what? God, it's like, sweetie, just punch him. Like, you know, we were sitting there. We're watching the movie. I'm like, you know, if she told him at the beginning that she had a fiancé, like, maybe that would be a difference. It like, wouldn't have made a difference. I'm like, but she shouldn't have to because she said no about 60, t- 60 times. Right. Right. So aside from aside from that. Yeah, uh, once you get past that. And of course, she ends up falling for him, which is just. Of course she does. It's like, oh, they're the lead. 
So they fall in love. Why? I don't know. Fair enough. So it's interesting because, you know, it's the, the... I also want to point out Ralph Bellamy is in this movie. Ralph Bellamy is in one of my favorite movies, uh, Trading Places, as one of the Duke brothers. So if you've ever seen that, not Don Amici, but the other guy was the brother, uh, was in this movie as the head constable. So, Oh, that guy. Yeah. If you saw it, you know, <laughs> Randolph and Mortimer Duke, the one, I forget who's who, but the one who's not Don Amici with the little mustache. So we see, you know, he finally goes for his walk and they're like, oh, let's go see the gypsies and, and get our fortunes told. You know, as you do. And he's like, oh, I haven't had my fortune told in years. Like, oh, man, like this I is haven't. Moments after telling her, I'm a psychic. That's how I saw you in your window. Yeah. That's how I knew what was going on. I'm a psychic. I can tell your fortune. Oh, I haven't had my fortune read in years. Yeah. So he's clearly creepy and. Yeah. So while they're going to get their fortune read, you know, they they do have some exposition and some setup. A little bit. Yeah. You know, because she uh, Gwen is her name in the in the movie uh, teaches him. His name is uh, Larry. Teaches him a little bit about werewolf culture because he doesn't know. But if he's going to be living in the castle. He should probably know. So if you have, if you live in a creepy castle, like you have to know about werewolf mythology. That's just a rule. So she's explaining, like, oh yeah, you know, when a, you can tell who a werewolf is because they have a pentagram, like, not like scar, but like a pentagram mark on them that shows up after being infected with the werewolf virus, uh, and. They know who their next victim is because they'll see a pentagram in their hand. You know, it'll just kind of like show up on their on their palm. And we see the the friend getting Emily is her name, getting her. uh, Her fortune read and the guy's reading, uh, reading her palm and it's Bella Lugosi and he looks down and sees the pentagram on her hand and he's like oh you have to leave come back tomorrow you know cluing you in that this is you know he's a werewolf you know with all the setup that you that you had you know but it's not heavy-handed exposition like you normally get the thing i like about the wolfman is he is like frankenstein he's a reluctant He's a reluctant actor as far as um, he's not evil, he's not good, but when he's the wolf, you know, the wolf just kind of takes over who he is and all his animalistic instincts come out. Right, and he has no recollection of what happens as the wolf man. And that's a very um, consistent uh, thing that we see. Um, one of the things, the, a, a common trope, and we see it in uh, Van Helsing that you that you brought up um, at the beginning of that movie, where Kate Beckinsale sees the werewolf, and it's her brother, and like you try to reason with the werewolf, 
It's like, don't you know me? I'm, you know, your your family, your wife, your whoever. Yeah, when she whoever. first sees him, she's obviously scared, and, and his his transformation is really cool too. Mm-hmm. I should have put that in. Just uh, we'll just say the Van Helsing werewolf transformations are pretty spectacular. But he's like climbing up the wall, and it's almost like he's trying to get. So he's indoors, and there's this huge window, and he's trying to get towards the moonlight mm-hmm. to transform. And he just looks at her, and he just says, "Run!" Right, because even though she like she'll look at him in the wolf form, and it's like, "Don't you know me?" And it's like it doesn't matter, right? Because he's not himself, and that that's pretty consistent all across. Like even in again. It's a monster like having, squad. It's almost like having multiple personality disorder. Right, and that's they bring this up in um in in the film cuz they're like, "Oh, it's not this. It's, you know, like there's a lot of psychobabble for lack of a better term in this movie that they use to try to kind of explain away Larry's behavior." Mm-hmm. Because again, and this is a trope we see now. He's a rich white guy and his dad's like, oh, you're in trouble with the law. They found the cane that you just bought next to a guy who was bludgeoned to death. Don't worry, I'll take care of this. You just let me do the talking because I'm rich and we're white and we're, we're well off in this community. Like they literally find the cane he bought the day before covered in blood next to the gypsy who was bludgeoned to death because... He went to save Emily from being attacked by a wolf, and that ended up being Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And the wolf attacked him and bit him. And he's like, "Oh, I got bit by the wolf. Look!" And it healed up. He's like, "Well, I, I guess it healed." And it's like, "You got bit like six hours ago. It wouldn't have healed up." And Ralph Bellamy's character is like, "Didn't you say that like he came in and he was bleeding and like his clothes were torn and they're like." Oh, he was just in shock. You know, the dog the dog ripped his coat and everything. And it's like, there's all this overwhelming evidence that he murdered a gypsy. But, like, everyone's willing to sweep it under the well, rug. Well, I mean, it's okay, because he murdered a gypsy. Yeah. He didn't kill, like, you know, a constable or anything like that. And then gypsy. No big deal. Fucking Jeff the Gravedigger gets murdered. And they're like, oh, this is the same thing. Looks like some kind of animal attack. You know, and he slowly starts to realize because the gypsy woman comes to him and she's like, yeah, you're a fucking werewolf. Like, you need to get away from people. And he tells his dad, his dad's like, don't worry, don't worry. I'll just tie you to this chair and you'll see how fucking stupid you're being. And then he gets out and kills more people. (laughs) And his dad finally realizes because he goes after his father. But he had given his father the the the, the cane because the cane had a silver wolf's head on it. And when the gypsy woman explains to him, you know, a silver bullet or a silver knife or a stick with a silver handle. Silver is, you know, the the bane of the wolf's existence, you know, kind of like how it is for vampires as well. Like later mythology changes it into like in uh, the Underworld series, it changes it into it's a severe allergy you know, it's like if you were to take some kid and, like, smear peanut butter on him, you know, it's like the same type of thing. It's like, oh, no, I have a nut allergy. Take this. It's Jif. You know? What? Well, that's how they're portraying it. Like, he's, it's like severe anaphylaxis. 
silver kills werewolves. No, I I get that. I'm just. But it's the same as like if you you could kill a kid with an allergy with like, like a peanut butter bowl. I I tune out for two seconds to check my notes and like all of a sudden I come back in and you're like yeah just smother him with peanut butter. I'm like wait a peanut minute. Peanut butter bullets for kids, not werewolves. That wouldn't unless he also has a peanut allergy. In which case, you know, you know, a little jiff takes care of him. Little goober grape. That'll that'll, uh, that'll learn him. So one of the things I find interesting about this character is the werewolf transformation. Because you don't really see much of it, but it's so effective because it gives you the opportunity to kind of piece together in your head what you think he might look like, and then you see him. Right, because they just show kind of like... It's just his feet. Yeah, his legs. It's a time lapse of his feet and what uh they did was they had lon cheney sit there for five to six hours and did like a progressive so this is when he removes his shoes and socks and shows his his feet and you slowly see that his feet become you know, hairy old and hairier. And eventually he's wearing a pair of boots, which were made of uh, rubber and covered in yak hair. But what they had to do was in order to get that, it was a bunch of time lapse uh, shots. Yes. So they had him sit still in one position. They would apply a little bit of makeup, get the shot, apply a little bit more makeup get the shot, apply a little more, and yeah, over the course of hours to get the perfect time-lapse shot, which, you know, when played consecutively, gave the transformation effect. Yeah, it made it look like it was slowly growing out of him. But they didn't show his face in that scene. They saved that for later. Right, but but I thought that was brilliant, just showing his feet a, like it's saved on a complete makeup job because you can only imagine how many hours it would have taken to do a complete, you know, makeup mm-hmm. job like that. Um, but again, like I said, it kind of allows the audience to piece together in their mind what they think the Wolfman actually looks like. Yeah, and you get to see him later on. And he's because when you see Bella Lugosi as the werewolf, he's. It's essentially like a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a dog. Whereas when you see Lon Chaney, he's not a dog. He's a guy with a really hairy face. And it's one of the things that I found to be so interesting is how he walked. You know, he kind of walked on his tiptoes to create the illusion of, like, the the weird hind legs like a dog would have. Um, and he kind of hunched over and kind of like had his hands like in, uh, like a, he had his hands out like he was trying to be scary. Like people would do now, like I'm, you know, hunching over and I'm walking on my tiptoes and I've got my arms bent at the elbow and my fingers spread and pointing down. Like I, I have claws, like he invented that, you know, it's, uh. It's a very interesting portrayal because, again, you know, like we talked about before with some of these other uh, characters, there was nothing for them to go on as far as, you know, like, 
okay, this is how this person did it, so this is how I'm going to do it and kind of change it and make my own. These guys were the innovators and sort of the trendsetters as far as how these creature depictions were, were made. And even some of the... um you know, the modern films with CGI, like, have the wolves walking in a very similar fashion. So. And what I think the makeup job did an incredible job doing is allowing the character, unlike the creature from the Black Lagoon that we spoke about last week, was allowing the wolfman, the actor Lon Chaney, portraying him to invoke uh, emotion through the makeup. Yeah, like he was able to, you know, manipulate his facial features and, you know, you really, he he conveyed a sense of primal rage as the wolfman, but then he contrasted it so well right. so as we, himself. Right, we saw the transformation of him into the wolfman, but we also saw the transformation from the wolfman to Larry Talbot again. And that final transformation back when he realized that he had killed the girl he has been going after all movie. Just that sheer dread. Mm -hmm. Even his, his death scene at the end when like everybody who had been making fun of you know making fun of him saying it's just a psychological thing and that finally um that finally got to him and made him you know like it was just cool because it just kind of faded away so it was like the reverse but it finally like led people to believe like holy shit he was telling the truth this whole time i mean and to be fair i think some of them knew it like they were familiar with the werewolf mythology, but nobody wanted to admit that this was actually going on because it's really far fetched. But the evidence kept mounting and kept mounting and kept mounting. And even he was like, I'm a werewolf and I don't want to hurt anyone. You need to do something to like keep me away from people, like help me, you know, because I, I know I'm and he told uh, Gwen, he goes, I'm. You have to get away from me. You have to leave because I'm going to come after you next. I saw the pentagram in your palm. But like some of the the things that they did, like he had the pentagram mark on his chest where he was bitten. And his dad's like, well, lots of animals could have left that. I'm like, like what? (laughs) Name like the fucking cookie cutter beaked hawk. Like what animal leaves a pentagram when it bites you? Especially when. The first day, you're like, oh, this wolf bit me right here, and there's no mark. And then, like, two days later, there's a pentagram on you. Like. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, nothing nothing weird about that. No, at not at all. Oh, no. Any animal could have done that. Yeah. It was, probably fell down the stairs. But I thought that his contrast, it's almost like he was playing two characters, which he was. And the, the contrast between the two was so perfect. And he did everything, um, you know, to crap. Patrick just showed me something and I lost my train of thought. Um, 
he, you know, did a really good job of portraying the two characters. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. And, you know, Larry Talbot, the human, you know, he wasn't a perfect human, but he was definitely caring and humane and uh, He was loving. not a savage murderer. No, but then, you know, and then he changes into the Wolfman and thus becomes a savage murderer. And the fact that he feels remorse after his killings and wanting to, you know, pr- wanting to be held accountable for it, even though um, it's really not his fault. Yeah, like he's like, I, I know I'm doing this. I need to be stopped, like because he was worried that he was going to hurt someone. Like he gave the medal, the 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 protective charm that he had, he gave away to Gwen. Mm-hmm. You know his silver stick that he used to kill the first werewolf. He gave to his father. It was like I'm dangerous. You might need to stop me. This is the only way. You know, and that's another thing too. This movie kind of established the rules for werewolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, being able to be killed with silver and you know, uh, transforming on a full moon and, you know, having no recollection of your actions. And um, shoot, there was something else. Don't feed them after midnight. Uh, those are those are mogwai. Oh, that was close. You also shouldn't get those wet. Mackerel. Bobble. See, the... <sighs> And that's the thing about these, like it, again, this is based on old mythology. So there's no, um, there was no real design made, like, again, unlike the creature from the Black Lagoon, this, the, the intellectual property of a werewolf, it's mythology. It's not a, a an original creation. It's, um... So they, they they were able to kind of just base the the rules that they had on the folklore that um that was around at the time. Oh, and a fun fact: the wolf. Remember, I said it looked like a German Shepherd. Uh huh. That was his son's German Shepherd, oh. Lon Chaney Jr., who would eventually become the Wolfman in later films. So. Um, yeah, so it says here, I'm looking at IMDb, many of the modern myths of werewolves originated from this film, such as a person being becoming a werewolf through a bite. The only way to kill a werewolf is with a silver bullet, and werewolves and their victims being marked with pentagrams. Some are taken from the earlier unsuccessful movie Werewolf of London, which you mentioned earlier today, which I just didn't see. And others, origina- uh, others are original concepts created by writer Kirk in folklore one became a werewolf by being cursed or by making a pact with the devil you could turn at any time didn't rely on a lunar cycle and werewolves were be more would were mortal and could be convilled, killed by conventional means so later films added the detail of werewolves being immortal which is a uh, an invention of hollywood and basically an excuse to keep bringing the characters back for multiple sequels so there is a, a line that everybody keeps saying, uh, even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. This quote has been listed, again, this is IMDb, the quote has been listed in some sources as an authentic gypsy or Eastern European folk saying. Uh, the writer admits he simply made it up. 
So, yeah. So before we close out this discussion topic, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because uh, of the, um, since the Wolfman 1941's movie, there have been many different incarnations of werewolves and the Wolfman and in many, many, many different media. Why do you think people are so intrigued and fascinated by werewolves? I think it's because it represents the dual nature of humanity where, you know, and we see this from, from Lon Chaney's performance as Larry. He's, you know, that no matter who you are, no matter what type of person you are, there is this deep, dark, animalistic, primal side to every human that if allowed to roam unchecked, would mm-hmm. like if you know it's like the, you know inside every man is a beast waiting to come out you know something like that you know and that's my inner beast just wants to nap yeah your inner beast is a, is a, a lazy cat yeah but i mean that's that's one of the things it's like you know this you know the uh the lizard brain part of your your evolution where you know at one point this was what humans were you know these you know, uh, ranging, roving hunters that just, you know, seek out and destroy and and kill, you know, all willy-nilly, to use Spicy Quiston's phrase. And I think that's part of the allure of it, you know, where vampires are, you know, exotic and sexy and, and, and seductive. But they're, they're not human. Right, but they're human like, but they're not human. They look werewolves like are people. St- right, but werewolves are still human. But werewolves are still considered undead because they're immortal now, like through the mythology of of Hollywood. And you know, this is more like where vampires are the sexy, classy side. This is the raw, emotional side. And people can relate to just sometimes wanting to let their emotions and all their their feelings that they have bottled up and pent up, all the aggression that they have that they wish they could take out on the world. That's what I think the werewolf offers. Right? Because who hasn't wanted to rip someone to shreds? You just lose your mind and just scream at the top of your lungs, howl at the moon, and just run through the woods and, like, you know... Be invulnerable. You know, no one can hurt you. You can finally, you know, lash out at those who have who have harmed you. You don't have to shave your legs. That's great. Even if you did, it would just grow right back like uh, like uh, Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I think that all humans have this primal urge and the character of the werewolf uh feeds into that and you know most people don't act upon it because you know it's it's what separates us right from the fact that we can animals. hold that in check right yeah it's uh i think that's that's my rationale for it so so uh i think with that being said we'll we'll wrap up the discussion 
And uh, we'll come back. We have some science, some wine. We have a new battle, a new type of battle as well. We're doing something a little different. Yeah, so we will be right back after these messages. Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Wayne Hall in the motherfucking house. And we are back. As much as I like that song, uh, I'm going to talk over it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed the uh, werewolf discussion. And, uh, again, we were trying to keep it concise because there's just, there's literally hundreds of years of werewolf mythology. Uh, You know, the scientific term being like canthropy. But, We've got some uh, some stuff upcoming that we really want to talk about. We, plus, we have, like I said, science. We have wine. We have uh, a new type of battle that uh, I think you might like, but it's specific to the werewolves. So do you want to do uh, wine and science and then do the battle? Let's do the battle, battle first. You want to do the battle first? Battle. All right. Let's so. get it on. Yes, that of course is Enchanted Exile, and uh, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing more from them soon. Yes, sir. Just a feeling. So, 
we have something we're doing super cool today. Everything we do uh, is super cool. Some some things cooler than others. I think this is kind of super rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are throwing down a battle, but we are going to keep it open-ended. We, as we spoke about earlier this episode, we want to know what your favorite werewolf transformation is. So we are going to create a poll but we are going to make it amendable so you can add your favorite transformation. Now, if you happen to see yours, go ahead and click on it. Put in a vote for that. But if you don't, feel free to add to it. Yeah, and go is, ahead and let us know in the comments comments section why you chose that. This is the first time we're actually actively encouraging people to add choices to the battle. So... Definitely do so. We will start off. We'll probably add a couple. We'll we'll add you know some of our we'll favorites. Talk about, we'll we'll add the ones we talked about today. But I there are so many out there that we couldn't even begin to cover everything. So we want to leave it up to you. So check on the Facebook page. There will also be a poll up on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let us know what is your favorite all time werewolf transformation so i mean i know what i'm voting for actually no i because one led to the i don't know uh, i'm gonna have to think about it but you have some um, time i do i do have some time but uh do you want to do science first? do you want to do science first or you want to do wine first i want to do whatever you want to do all right well i have a science fact ready to go and it's very quick so okay go ahead wolfie from the blackness of space Timeless from the void, you terrified to learn of Patsy's science facts. <laughs> All right, so today's science fact is uh, recent science. This is uh, from an article that was published uh, in the Irish News on December 18th, 2017, and it detailed a list of impressive science facts, uh, some things that we didn't know until 2017. Uh, One of the things that we learned was that there is a human organ. Uh, It's a separate organ that no one knew existed uh, until sometime in 2017, called mesentery or mesentery. I'm not sure exactly what, uh, what syllable gets the emphasis. But it connects the intestine to the abdomen and is believed to perform important functions for the body, ranging from uh, helping the heart to aiding the immune system. So it's like an extra little connective thing that I guess everybody just assumed was part of the intestine, but turns out is its own separate entity. So that's kind of cool. Another one that I saw that I want to add is a little bonus science fact for, for you, Ashes because I know this is near and dear to your heart. Uh, It's about pugs. (gasps) I love pugs. Uh, According to this article, pugs' cute little flat faces are the result of a genetic mutation. Their features have been strongly linked to a gene variant called SMOC2, or SMOC2, not to be confused with the FMOC that we get at work. So that is my... uh, I love smushy little mutated pugs. Yes. So that's my my uh science facts for today and i know you have some uh some wine that you want to talk about so let's let's hear the wine theme 
and I'm going to tell you about it. I went to another wine party. Spicy Kristen had a wine party. It was a Halloween themed. It was great. We all got into costumes and drank wine and it was super classy, sort of, kind of. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So it was uh, put on by the same company that put on her wine party last time, the Traveling Vineyard. And I had this Malbec that was so delicious. So it is called, um, the vineyard is Bailando. Like I said, it is a Malbec. It is a brilliant, slightly translucent garnet medium body. Integrated nose of black earth, baker's chocolate, plank to toast, and black pepper, all in support of earthy black fruit. Uh, this vineyard is uh, based in Argentina, and it was delicious. So what we did at this wine party was not only did we have the opportunity to sample five different wines, but we were shown how to pair these wines Uh, the different foods that these wines pair well with and how food can alter the taste of the wine that you're drinking. So I paired this Malbec with uh, dark chocolate covered berries. So um, I I think I had a blueberry and a pomegranate. Okay, I know. I saw raspberries. Um, It was very good. Very, very good. I also paired it with goat cheese. And, um, oh, what did I pair it with something else, too? I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting. I don't remember what the Malbec was. You didn't like it. You gave it to me. Yes. Which was great. Um, oh, oh, and we paired it with, uh, I, because it was a brunch, it was a Halloween wine brunch. I made mini quiches topped with salsa and cheese and I paired it with that too and it was very good I think my favorite was the chocolate that I paired it with so I ordered some I will definitely be drinking it probably with chocolate it's already Um, on its way and uh yeah so it was a delicious Malbec I can't wait to get it in if you are interested you cannot find this in stores so um if you are interested in ordering it let me know. I will post the link to um, the Facebook page, and I will also upload it to Twitter as well. Uh, but if you are interested in making an order, let me know, and I can get in touch with the um, host, the lady who runs it. She's super awesome. And Very knowledgeable. Yes. Yeah, she's uh, quite educated on the topic of, of wines and different kind of wines and how to properly drink wine and wine etiquette. And yeah, she is, she is fantastic. So yeah, it is a Bailando Malbec from Argentina. Which I think sounds like a Harry Potter villain, but that's just me. It sounds like a spell. Bailando Malbec. Yeah, and then like your face falls off or something. Yeah. Uh so let's see, we did our battle, we did our science, we did our wine. What do we have coming up? We have, uh, we mentioned a little bit, next week, our, our good buddy Miles, Mr. Most Days Off, uh, from the Best Darn Diddly Podcast, returns, and he is going to be discussing with us uh, 
some F is for family stuff. We haven't decided on which character yet, but we will be talking F is for family, which, again, giving you some time to go out and watch that series because we definitely want to hear from you folks, uh, see what you think. It's a great show. It's on Netflix. Uh, the first season is streaming. The second season comes out at the end of this month. So it stars uh, Bill Burr, Justin Long, uh, Laura Dern, and uh, Sam Rockwell uh, as uh, some of the main characters. And there's a few other voices you just might recognize as you uh, watch the show. It's brilliantly well done. There's a lot of naughty language and uh like I said before, very detailed animation. Sometimes when you're not expecting it to be as detailed as it is. But uh, definitely check that out uh, so you can join the conversation with us. Um, and the following week, we will have the co-creator of the show, uh, Michael Price, is returning back to us to talk talk up the show, uh, give us a preview of Season 2. Very excited about that. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with Mike Price, you didn't get to hear us uh, talk with him before. He's on the episode The Price We Pay for Krusty because Mike is also a Simpsons writer and has been uh, doing that for quite a long time. So that's what we have coming up. And then after that, we are going to be discussing one of our favorite kaiju of all time, uh, Gamera. And I'm very excited about that. Gamera! And then after that, because the movie's going to be coming out, we're going to be talking some Wreck-It Ralph. He's going to wreck it. Uh, for the Ralph Wrecks the Internet movie that's coming out. So that's our next... No, it's Ralph Breaks, Ralph the, breaks the Internet. Inter- Sorry, it he can't... It should be called Ralph Wrecks the Internet, and I feel like they talk about that in the movie. They probably talk about it. They I feel like something is discussed. Yes. So that's the next uh, few episodes, so... If you re- if you want to join in on the conversation, send us some voicemail to throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at TDThursdayPod or at uh, Miss Von Nightmare at Patrick Rahal. Uh, please do so because we'd love to hear your feedbacks and uh, love to hear what you think about these characters. And uh, I think, yeah, that's that's about it unless you have anything else. Do you have anything else? I have some wine to go drink. That's so. true. Wolfie, do you have anything you want to add today or uh, any uh, words of wisdom? Um, hmm, words of wisdom. Remember to tip your waitress. All right. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. 20% at least. At least, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good call. Agreed. Unless they're not good and then maybe just say, hey, you could do better. Still leave them a tip because <laughs> you got to remember these folks, these folks are not making a lot of money. Right, right. And that's... Uh, before tax, not after tax. I usually do it after tax just to pat it a little bit more. Oh, I mean, that's and that's fine. I'm just saying, you know, because sometimes if you're if money's tight and you're you're kind of worried to like, you know, <laughs> that extra three dollars is going to break the bank. Sometimes it does. <laughs> sometimes, you know, we're not all fancy millionaires like Johnny Wolfenstein here. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Do they still have buy you looked human? around Castle Wolfenstein lately? <laughs> do they still buy human blood? Oh, I don't even have that much left. <laughs> yeah, you you can't sell any. I can't sell any. That's why I can only tip before tax right now. But uh, I think with that being said, uh, we're going to bring the show to a close, and we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>